You're listening to Robert Wright's Non-Zero Podcast. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing okay. Good. It's not as hot here as it ever is everywhere else. Congratulations. So we're basking in beautiful weather. Uh, so today's Thursday. We should have said that last week. We're recording on Thursday this week, and we did last week. In okay. case there's any big story we missed that breaks on Friday. Gonna, this probably miss- won't persist, but we don't know. What's that? Okay. We're going to miss the big Tucker Carlson debate, which isn't really a debate. It's just him interviewing candidate Syriatum. On Twitter? So, no, in Iowa. Oh. The crucial first caucus in the nation state. Um, Who, who's going to be there? Well, actually, you know what? Um, my The news quiz I'm going to lead with may, may lead uh, toward this. Okay. Shoot. Your news quiz has four four parts. Okay. Okay. We'll get back to Tucker one way or another. Getting complicated. It, it, and it's going to get worse uh, in, in coming weeks. So I'm going to give you a part of a headline. You're going to tell me who it refers to. It's one of those headlines that like so-and-so on so-and-so, quote, like Bob on Mickey, quote, nice guy, not that bright or something, right? That kind, right. It's that kind of right. format. I'm not going to tell you the first part. I'm just going to tell you what's in quotes, and then you tell me who it refers to. Okay, here's what's in quotes. They can smell a loser. Now, who is the loser, and who is they? Donor is Ron DeSantis. One for two. It was the Murdochs, who I guess are potential donors, so let's give you full credit. Ron DeSantis smells like a loser, Mickey. That hurts, I know. They're, but, they're idiots. Okay. It's a this is a Rolling Stone headline, and yeah, Rolling Stone. It's they, not exactly they want Glenn Youngkin and they want uh, immigration amnesty, and DeSantis isn't going to give it to them. So okay, before we get back to that, a part two of the news quiz. Um, who said this or wrote this? Politics and hard news are inevitably going to show up, but we're not going to do anything to encourage those verticals. Uh, a guy named Mosseri, who is a whoa, big mocker, whoa, whoa. Whoa. mocker at Threads, and they later tried to walk it back. But first thought, most accurate thought, he doesn't want politics on the site. All the liberals who think Threads is going to be their political salvation are barking up the wrong tree. They're going to get celebrity videos from influencers and creators, and it's going to be a pile of crap like Facebook and Instagram. I can't believe you even knew the guy's name. So he's the guy who runs well for one thing, Instagram, right but here. also Threads. Mo- I, are Mosseri, you hacking right my my computer? Are you part of a Mossad no, it was operation? No, it was one of the things I wanted to talk about. Whoa! So we'll get back to that. Okay, you're killing it. You're two for two. Uh, this one, you you should, I think, if you're a, if you're a, an attentive news consumer, you should get this one. Who called what, quote, unprecedented and absurd? God, there's so many things that are like that. Well, yes. It's probably, yeah. foreign, probably foreign policy because that's, yeah. you haven't had one lately. Uh, cluster bombs. No, that's a good example of something we missed by virtue of taping last Thursday. We may come back to those. Uh I'll give you the full quote. It's unprecedented and absurd when a time frame is not set up either for the invitation nor for Ukraine's membership. 
Oh, Zelensky complaining about NATO. Zelensky complaining. He wasn't he wasn't right about unprecedented because this is what they did in 2008. I mean, with some variation, but the the the, the this is what set us on the current path. Uh, the idea of vaguely promising this thing that may or may not happen. Final, final uh, question. Um, and you still have a chance for, you know, getting like a B plus. Uh, but this one's tough. This one is tough. Uh, here's the quote. As many commanders of regiments and divisions said today, our army was not broken through the front, but our most senior commander hit us in the back, thus treacherously beheading the army in the most difficult period. You don't have to know his name. It's somebody complaining about Prigozhin, but I don't know who it is. No, it's not, actually. It's somebody who sounds remarkably like Prigozhin. It is this General Popov. I think this is the biggest story out of Ukraine over the last oh, this few is, days. This is Spartacus. Uh, I guess. I I haven't seen that movie. What does Spartacus do? Uh, I don't know either. It's it's he, he hangs by a cross on the Appian Way, I believe. Mm-hmm. But, um, and... Uh, who plays Spartacus? Kirk Bert uh, Lancaster. Douglas? Oh, Bert Lancaster. Okay, I digress. Jeez. So th- this is uh, this is a a, a two star Russian general named Popov, who was uh, commander of the fifty eighth Army, which is right on the front there in Zaporizhia, and is big. I mean, if he's two star, I got to figure. You know, this is tens of thousands of men he's commanding, and. What happened was he got relieved of duty and then said, went through and said, well, what happened was he was listing his grievances to, it was either Gerasimov or Shoigu, but anyway, one of Prigozhin's targets, right? And, right. Ex- and, and complaining that they aren't getting the support, we're not getting the, you know, certain things about artillery and on and on and on and on. And it's tough up here. And then they they fired him. They 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 uh they relieved him of duty. And now so now he is kind of rebelling against the exact same guys Prigozhin was rebelling against. And as Sam Cherup said on Twitter, he's at the Rand Corporation. This Popov story is in some ways far more damaging for Russian morale than the entire Prigozhin episode, since the latter was always outside the chain of command. Does seem weird. I don't know. Uh, I mean, it suggests right. too. You go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, I mean, it's a yes. First of all, the things are tough on the front, you know, for, uh, you know, the Ukrainian offensive itself doesn't look to be doing any better than it was last week. Uh, And, uh, you know, incremental gains uh, up north. The Russians are gaining ground, I think, uh, you know, north of Bakhmut uh, in uh, uh, all the way in 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 Luhansk. Uh, The um, but. This suggests that maybe there is a lot of pressure on the Russian troops. So for Ukrainians who are who are saying, look, if we persist, they're going to break. There's going to be a big breakthrough. I guess this is encouraging. But plus, it's like this is a major. This is a very high level, you know, chain of command, public dissent. Uh, it's it's the kind of thing that I mean, nothing like this has happened that I'm aware of in the United States since uh, MacArthur, you know, disobeyed Truman, right? I mean, and this well, isn't even the same Obama, thing. It's not disobeying Obama, an order, but Obama, the degree of... Obama, fi- Obama fired McChrystal. Oh, but, th- but that was bullshit in terms of what he did. McChrystal didn't even... 
the claim was you can't go around disrespecting the president and not expect, right. you know, and, and expect not to get punished. And it's true that Rolling Stone had quoted him saying disrespectful things, but he hadn't said them to the reporter. The reporter had claimed that anonymous sources claim that this general said them to the anonymous sources. Well, generals do this shit all the time, uh, even if even if you assume he did it. That's not like speaking out publicly. He didn't speak to a reporter. He didn't speak out publicly. Um, so this is this is really weird by our standards. And you kind of wonder how much of all this uh, Putin has been actually aware of. Because people say he doesn't use the internet. I mean, has he ever seen a Prigozhin video where Prigozhin's going berserk? Like, I don't know. I really don't know. The, um, I, there was a story that Gerasimov had been fired, and then he turned up again later in the week. Not yeah, fired. Not so far. It's it's uh, he, uh, so he's a Schrodinger's cat of a general. Um, the uh, well, this 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 this. this there was a theory that that, that Prigozhin, you know, his failed coup just made it easier for other people to make trouble, yeah. and this would uh, this would fit in with that. But what's well, this guy going to do now? Well, I mean, he was already fired. I don't. I don't think he was kicked out right, of the military. But, gonna, but in effect, he is, was. Is he? Is he? Is he, is he going to start a podcast? I mean, you know, what's going to happen? I, I think he has a future in in podcasting, but um, I, you know, so it's not it's not as weird as it would be if he started talking like this while still in command. But uh, it's like things are there. There does seem to be a certain amount of resentment of uh, Gerasimov and Shoigu at the high levels. And, you know, we still haven't seen uh, this guy, uh, Suravikin, this general who has not been seen publicly since the mutiny. So I don't know. I. Uh, it's easier to, be, to call them by their it's easier to call them by their nicknames. What's Suravikin's he's, nickname? He's, he's Armageddon. He's General Armageddon. Yeah, because of his and the uh, other one reference is to his Syria. Um, is the other one called Spartacus? I think so. Uh, so. But, does the Russian media pick up on this? Does anybody in Russia know about this? Oh, I'm is, sure. Is, I mean, for one thing, there's is, this whole telegram infrastructure, regardless of what officially approved state media is saying on TV. Uh, and telegram, you know, reaches a lot of a lot of people. Um, I don't know what they're saying on state TV. But anyway, uh, seems weird. Uh, aside from that, I think the only thing I'd say about Ukraine. Um, well, there is the NATO thing, uh, but that's and there's cluster musicians. But first, let me say, you know, I did the uh, I taped the podcast with the Russians with Attitude guys. I mean, I taped their podcast yesterday, which isn't out yet. And uh, I wa I watched something on your on your site. You did watch part of the one I did with them on my podcast. I watched an hour and like 20 minutes of a podcast on your site that then it went up to the parrot room or went up to the to the paid behind was, the paywall you, you didn't pay to go behind the paywall i'm kind of offended. i've already paid to go behind the paywall but are I didn't you a paid go subscriber to non-zero non-zero newsletter probably yeah probably yeah um anyway when right. i talked to them uh on theirs one of them said something that's relevant to uh you know, remember a few weeks before the offensive, I said, I think they should use their freshly equipped brigades to just play defense because if they exhaust themselves in an offensive, they may be vulnerable to a big Russian counteroffensive. Who knows where they'll stop? At one point, I even mentioned Odessa, which is on the other side of the Dnipro. 
And one of these guys did say that from a Russian national security point of view, and national security isn't their main reason for supporting the invasion, that is the, the, the RWA guys, but they did say they think it's Putin's main reason for invading. Um, they said that on my podcast, but, but on their podcast, which hasn't been released yet, uh, he said from a national security perspective, Odessa is a very important city. They would very much like to have it. Uh, it has to do yeah. with naval deployments in the Black Sea. I don't understand, but that's just something to keep in mind. Uh, as far if, I, if if Ukrainian generals are deciding at this moment whether to follow my advice and play defense and be careful in expending resources, um, something to keep in mind. Well, I I, I commend you for doing that interview. Um, I learned a lot in from the freebie hour and 20 minutes. Uh, they they seem like rational people who should be, one should pay attention to, but you didn't ask the obvious question, which is if their motivation was not national security, it was they were involved in the Donbass and the oppression, they thought of the uh, Russian speaking people in the Donbass who did not want to associate with the Maidan revolution. And uh, why, the, if that was the goal, why does, Putin has to go all the way to Kiev to accomplish that. He has to take the Donbass. So why are they defending a war that strikes at the heart of a much more legitimate Ukraine state? Well, I would say two things. First of all, as I, um, you know, a number of people kind of said what you said, well, except in more derogatory terms, they said, wait a second, they favored the invasion just because they thought that Russian speakers in the Donbass uh, faced uh you know, discriminatory language laws or something. And, and, it, and it wasn't it was just that it's that when these people protested and did what, what these, what the RWA guys said is, is exactly what the protesters had done in 2014 in Kiev, you know, in the mind on revolution, they were met with aerial bombardment and artillery. I mean, they didn't mess around that they were subjected to military assault. Like they occupied buildings to, to dramatize their grievances the way the protesters did and, and you know, bombs start falling, at least by their account. So so that was their big issue. But it's, you know, your question is a good one. Um, I don't know exactly what they'd say. I would say that, you know, the the predominantly Russian-speaking areas go beyond the two famous parts of the Donbass. In, uh, we didn't get into this, but I know that sometime way back, like I think before 2014, I think, there were referenda in the provinces about which provinces wanted autonomy. And Kharkiv voted yes, along with Donetsk and Luhansk. So you can get pretty close to Kiev uh, and still have, you, you know, at least as the map was before the war started, uh, a heavily Russian-speaking population. Um, I mean, also, I think uh, they, uh, I mean, look, I, I, I mean, are you saying would, for in their view, the idea of, of, of going to Kiev I, I don't think was to, in the long run, occupy it or occupy Ukraine uh, in that vicinity. I think it was to affect regime change. You know, that Putin thought he had well, it kind of wired. He thought he had the whole thing wired, almost like he'd had Crimea wired in 2014. So they want to decapitate a legitimately elected government in, in a state that should probably exist, even if it shouldn't include the Donbass. And, and, and if you're also going to get a lot of grief from, from commenters who are going to say, uh, a majority of even Russian speakers in the Donbass don't want to be part of Russia. They'd rather stay in Ukraine. 
I, I remember I mean, that was yeah. a yeah, I, I, more, look, I have no, I'm not a theme I, I, earlier. I, I, in no, I'm not war. here to defend anything. And I don't I don't know the demographics. I mean, I would also say. The Russian speaking population also extends in the south and and even Odessa was uh, again, things shift and change. But as of uh, 15, 20 years ago, it had at least as many uh, native Russian speakers, right. I think. Um, but right. I don't I don't look, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I. I you know, they they may have figured, well, this isn't exactly the invasion we would have designed, but we want the people of the Donbass to get right. whatever. And I, I don't know. Um, the um, there was an interesting article by Edward Lutzbach in Unheard, I think, or somewhere uh, where he he claims that contrary to popular opinion, they all want a negotiated settlement. He claims Putin obviously is not doing the gung-ho all-out war that that he could have, in part because he doesn't want to call up conscripts and deal with the mothers of the conscripts. And so he's he, he, he has sort of a deal like Johnson in Vietnam, which is he thinks he can wage this war without disturbing the rest of society, and he could wage it for a long time. But the, the idea is that, that he's going to, you know, he he implied that he, he would be happy to settle because, you know— uh, well, that's and what these guys that, said on my podcast. The, yeah, yeah, he implied that we want to settle, and he said that I, I think he said that Zelensky has a plan to settle. He will, he will tell you after this offensive, we're going to be here and here and here, and we're going to we're going to settle. Uh, which leads to the question: Why don't they get on with it if they all want to settle? Um, because and he didn't have because, a really good answer for that. Well, right now Zelensky is saying he absolutely won't settle publicly. He's saying he will not right. even sit down and talk until they have left. All of Ukraine, including Crimea. So, uh, right. But Putin, Putin hasn't ruled it out by. in those kind of absolute terms at all. But um, and look, I don't know whether it's Zelensky himself or whether he has certain pressures on him. He might cite popular opinion, although I think that's more malleable and subject to his own influence than we might think. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he's the one saying they don't. Uh, my sense is that the U.S. It's weird. Uh, on the one hand, um, you know, you sometimes get the impression that Ukraine felt pressured by the U.S. to do this offensive and show these gains so that they can get more equipment and will keep investing in the war effort. On the other hand, you sometimes get the impression that the U.S. just, uh, you know, it feels like, well, we'd like a ceasefire now, but Ukraine really wants to do this offensive, so we'll let them try and then if they fail they'll see they got to settle i i don't know who's thinking what again there is the concern i'll say for the 50th time that in the course of the offensive they will exhaust themselves sufficiently to entice russia into a big counteroffensive that then starts the whole thing all over again that's my concern what has has the the neocon argument that we like ukraine uh keeping up with the war because we're degrading Russian troops and uh, in a way that will, uh, you know, undermine their superpower status or whatever they have less of that. Uh, has that has that view been exterminated within the Biden administration? I get the sense that most of the people in the Biden administration would are willing to start winding things down. I don't I, it's the vibe I get from the overall administration. Look, Mark Milley, chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff, has been basically saying that for eight months seven months um and uh you know but 
on that point, by the way, the war has also uh, led Russia to ramp up its munitions building infrastructure. You know, I think tanks and artillery shells and everything are rolling off the assembly line in Russia the way they haven't for decades. So I'm not sure this was a big win in that regard, but. Something we, we don't seem to be all that capable of doing since we're running low on munitions and Biden. Well, that's people said that people said that Biden uh, said he was uh, going to send them the cluster bombs because uh, that way we didn't have to send them more conventional bombs which, and we were running low on them. Well, it's artillery you know, shells and we are running low. We've ran artillery our shells, monthly okay. production up to 24,000. It was like 14 or something a year ago, um, a month. Um, and that is the reason. Yeah. I mean, I mean, first of all, we have some of these cluster <clears throat> munitions in stock. And secondly, I assume that it's like one of these artillery shells. I mean, certainly if you're shelling like soldiers in trenches, I assume one of these is worth several regular ones because one of these shells spread 72 grenades in effect over several acres. And, you know, go ahead. Right. No, clearly, clearly they wouldn't do this if Ukraine was winning the offensive. Isn't that true? Um, or are you thinking of that? Uh, I mean, it was, it was, it was taken by some, well, some strategists as, a clear sign that the Ukraine, the uh, the counteroffensive was failing, that they needed these these morally very questionable weapons. It, it, certainly, if it was just a rout, if it had succeeded wildly, they probably wouldn't be worried right now. In the same way about artillery, yeah, yeah, it's a sign probably that things aren't aren't going great. Um, you know, and as for the question of the of cluster munitions, like, so by the army's own account. First of all, what they're doing, you would think, violates a law. There's a U.S. law that says you can't deploy cluster munitions if the dud rate is higher than 1%. That is, if the number of the, of the, of the little grenades that don't explode upon initial deployment is higher than 1%. Well, the Pentagon's own claim is that these are at 2.5%, which would mean that basically, like for the average artillery shells, artillery shell, you got two of these now live grenades wait, sitting around. But the New York Times reported that that number is way low and it's more like eight or nine percent. So you're talking about every, you know, the average artillery shell leaving like, you know, six or something, basically hand grenades that could go off if handled. And, you know, uh, Michael Kaufman was making a point. I mean, he's for the cluster munitions, but it turns out this is this isn't just a problem for ge generations of children to come, you know, that although it's true that for decades these are dangerous, but um it's a problem for Ukrainian troops when they follow up an artillery barrage because it means that the field, you know, if it happens to be a field that wasn't mined, now suddenly in effect it is a field that was mined. Uh interesting. Um So I forget what I was going to say. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Uh, it's about all I have to say, I think, about uh, Ukraine. So we can get back to uh, well, the, the fact well, that Ron DeSantis smells like a loser or or, or to Biden, Biden gave an interview with uh, Farid Zakaria. I didn't listen to it. Was it? Did you listen to the whole thing? I listened to parts of it. Did he and seem he, impressive he was, and articulate? Impressive is a big word. Uh, <laughs> he seemed... He seemed articulate. He was the same old pompous blowhard who thinks he's smarter 
than he is. Uh, he always was, but he was not, there were no signs of visible decline in his thinking. He was able to express his pompous, blowhardy phrases, uh, you know, and in false, you know, brilliant grand strategies or uh, as as clearly as he ever could, a little slower. But it, the idea that he's incompetent to be president seems to be wrong. Uh, and that coupled with a poll, uh, an article in The Washington Post that my friend Ryan Jardusky pinpointed, which is uh, the Democrats need Biden because he, he has a peculiar hold on uh, white working class voters. Mm-hmm. And they make up 30 percent of the vote the Democrats get. I thought that was a stunningly high number. But it was backed up by the Pew poll, which says they're 27 percent. So they're a good chunk of uh, the Democratic coalition. And if they lose that, they're toast. What are so they of the Republican it, coalition, like 60? Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. Or more. It was, they're more of the Republican coalition. I don't know. I, I just looked at the Pew poll uh, 10 minutes ago, but I, I, I didn't get a number. But it was a bigger bar graph. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the... Um, uh, and they're not going to turn out for Gavin Newsom, <laughs> okay? Gavin Newsom no, he's is the upper class, the upper class of what douche, you want, okay? Uh, and uh, so it's um, they're not going to turn out for uh, Dave McCormick. They might, they might eventually turn out for JD Vance, although I think even he has a hurdle to overcome with them. Being a of course, fan, as you may know, as you may know, he's not a Democrat. He's not a Democrat. Good point. Yeah. I just think it out loud. Yeah. Not a Democrat yet, Bob. He's <laughs> is he moving that direction? I must, I must have missed he's, something. He's teaming up with uh, Elizabeth Warren to regulate banks. Oh, good. Uh, uh, what about it, Chris Murphy? Anyway. How, how would Chris Murphy play with the uh, white working class? Better than Gavin Newsom? I don't know. Better than Gavin. Better Newsom. than Gavin Newsom. But Biden has a history, and he, you know he's moderate. He seems they know who he is. Uh, he, he's made an effort to be where they are, and. So this implies that the Democrats are stuck with Biden. What about Gretchen Whitmer? Uh, Obviously not someone who's willing to surrender. on She had a big moment in the sun because Politico wrote a puffer about him that I was primed to hate, but it was actually quite informative. About Gretchen Whitmer? Yeah, it didn't go into her substance. Basically, basically, under her leadership, the Democrats have got the, uh, what's it, the trifecta. They have control of both houses of the legislature and the governorship. And they've done that. They've sort of passed their state version of build back better. So I think they have a Michigan refundable child tax credit. They don't have the power to grant amnesty. They only had one of my two buttons, but I, I you know, they've, they've done, they've passed their liberal agenda. Okay. Mm-hmm. I bet if we, my bet is if we go back to Michigan five years from now, the state will not be appreciably improved because of this agenda. But She's given it her shot. Maybe she's right. The interesting thing was the Congressional Black Caucus was lobbying Biden, lobbying her to run. OK, hmm. the, 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 uh, maybe the members from Michigan. But that implied to me that if suppose Biden wanted to substitute her for Kamala, maybe the Black Caucus wouldn't be that as pissed off as people think. Maybe black voters would be, maybe other groups would be. But there, there'd be sort of a path. That if if they really wanted to exercise leadership, they could say, "Okay, you know, uh, we like this woman." I don't know. At least at least she's a woman. She's not black. So I I I I, I she's a live possibility. I think. 
Mm. Also, she's much better looking now than she was two years ago. So obviously she's getting into campaign shape. Hmm. Uh, that's a sure test of, of whether somebody is really running or not. She's um, ready for her close. She's ready for her close up. That's all good. Uh, it's uh, hard to imagine Biden replacing uh, Kamala. I think uh, he. I thought he, they could. Although you know, Kamala, it's not like she has a lot of support on the left. You know, the far left doesn't like her, uh, and uh, I don't know who does. You. Wine you would. It's a very good point. Very good point. Um, well, there, there are groups on the left that would just complain about anything they find to complain about. And if they keep six Kamala, that would be something to complain about. Uh, people who are totally invested in identity politics and nothing else. Um, the I thought they missed a bet. They could have pinned the cocaine on Kamala. You know, is it, is it I too mean, late? Was, is it too late? Should we it's start? Too that late. They closed the they closed the investigation today. Huh? Uh, bizarrely. Um, no, that you can you can take drugs into the White House, and we just have no. I mean, it's it, it's sort of it's sort of plausible in the in that, you know, there's less to the White House than you think. In other words, people thought there were Nike missiles that were going to come out of the lawn and shoot any in, intruding helicopter, and, mm-hmm. and some guy actually did jump the fence and run to the White House, and it turned out all they had was a dog. Okay, mm-hmm. and they they didn't release the dog because they were worried he would do him harm. So they like the guy got into the White House. So there's less to White House security than well, maybe, you think. Like, maybe the deal is if somebody... It's, it's not implausible. Maybe if somebody breaches the perimeter, they give all the Secret Service agents stimulants, and that's what the that's what the cocaine is for. That could be the plan. There you go. I thought cocaine was the drug of yesterday. Why not fentanyl? Why not ayahuasca? Why not something... Oh, well, those are... Know, no, 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 no. These are high-productivity people. These are people working late. Adderall. Well, I imagine Adderall there is a little cocaine. of that. In, in I would the, in rather be hat. governed by I would rather be governed by Adderall than cocaine. Yeah, but then you got to wait for it I, to I, kick in. You know, you, I'm not you, I'm I'm not speaking from personal experience, but yeah. my impression is that cocaine gives you a lot of energy, but destroys your judgment. It does. Have you so ever noticed you, that when you, the when you've been edited by people on cocaine, you don't want to be edited by people on cocaine. People on Adderall, and maybe another question. Yeah, I'm not going to name names, but but the NFL running backs who were reputed to be doing cocaine had a tendency to fumble. There's a certain overconfidence problem associated with the drug. And uh, maybe we this could become a theory that explains some sort of uh, White House behavior or policy. But we'll put that off till next week. Our grand unified uh, <laughs> theory of co- cocaine. Uh, uh, they're going to need more than a dime bag. So uh, what uh you want to talk more about like horse race politics or what else we could talk about threads? Uh I noticed uh, we get um, it by thread. You want to talk you wanted to talk about Mr. Luft? No, I I, I thought get, that was parrot room at most. I don't know. I was assuming okay. you were paying attention to Mr. Luft, and so I forwarded you my friend's theory about Mr. Luft, and it turned out you weren't that conversant, Mr. Luft. I'll read up on him between now and the parrot room. He's I mean, who the hell is he? You tell me. Who is he? He's 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 a shady operator, runs a shady think tank, and is is now one of the people claiming to have evidence that Joe Biden right. is on the take. Um, right. And, uh, you know, anyway, we could talk about it. Um, the 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 my my uh, putative conspiracy theory that says the 
press is going to start ganging up on Biden. I, there was no, there were no data points this week. I think that I could point to. Uh, Peggy Noonan wrote a column where she said the Democrats should clearly replace Biden. Uh, uh, and she obviously hadn't read this white working class poll, but um, she she implied that they were all too scared of the, you know, the power of the White House to destroy their careers to say it in public. And that led me to think, but the media isn't scared. So the media is going to have to lead the way on this. Now, there's, no, there's going to be no Chris Christie in the Democratic Party who comes out and says, you know, Joe Biden's too old. He's Ruth Bader Ginsburg. He has to go. Um, uh, but um, the media did not lead the way this Well, week. there was a time a few months ago when I oh, had wait, the sense that the one. media was, that the New York Times was like, they ran a right. story like, hmm, there, should he there go? Was one. There yeah. was one. There was one. Maureen it? Dowd. Maureen Dowd pronounced judgment on the seventh grandkid. She said, Joe, it's, you have it's, Joe, you have seven grandkids. You can't disown this one mm. just because it's a stripper who Hunter doesn't even remember having sex with, uh, supposedly. Um, and uh, that is sort of when, when when you lose Maureen Dowd, I mean, that sort of, I think, spoke for the tenor of the whole media. Then Ann Coulter wrote a very interesting column saying, wait a minute. Since when do we valorize and completely accept, uh, you know, illegitimate children uh, of women who may be gold diggers and want the want the Biden name to pass to their children? I mean, there's a re we want marriage. That means you have to you're going to if you're going to respect marriage, that means you have to disrespect kids out of marriage. And she had a point that used to be the rule in the rule anymore. But hmm. uh, but, but she Ann Coulter does not control the media well, I mean, uh, if you want to talk about uh, Marine, Marine Dowd sort of does. Right. But if you want to talk about columnists at the Times, so Michelle Goldberg's been saying he should, uh, you know, he should be replaced for months and months and months. But, but, but she's but she but she, she's she's not the, the same weather vane for kind of centrist like, you know, Correct. MSM thought that Marine Dowd is. No, but Marine Dowd is the Supreme Court of the media. And I think Biden has lost that appeal. And I, I predict he will have to some in some way acknowledge his grandkid doesn't have to invite her to the family picnic. But, uh, you know, he'll say something like life is complicated and she's a lovely little girl and we wish her all the and best. I, and we hope to meet her someday. Uh, <laughs> right. The, yeah. Um, I don't know. But, you know, so as that, for that the, was, as that for was the white working day. class, I still say you got to factor in. All the people who will be watching debates, assuming there are debates, and they'll either be watching Biden and Trump and going, man, I really can't talk myself into showing up to the polls for this Biden guy because he just he won't be able to keep up with Trump, I think, in real time in certain respects. Um, and, you know, compare that to them watching any number of other Democrats and going, yeah, that would be better than Trump. That would be better than Trump. Uh, I, I think that's uh, a, I, yeah. If if they saw the Biden of the Fareed Zakaria interview, I don't think they would say that. I don't think they say this is guy's okay now. We don't know how how he's going to be in four years. Much less challenging he'll, he'll format. Do it now. Much less challenging format, and it doesn't last an hour and a half or whatever. Um, yeah, but we'll see. Good point. The uh, uh, Chris Chris, there there are a bunch of candidates who are having a moment. Chris Christie is having a moment. Peggy Noonan wrote that Christie could easily beat Biden. I disagree. 
Christy has a lot of baggage and he's basically a self-centered jerk, but not incompetent. Uh, and uh, Tim Scott is having a moment on the Republican side. It's going to be, uh, it's in, in DeSantis' interest that they press cycle through all these people. Uh, thank God they haven't got to Nikki Haley yet, but they will. And then once they've all petered out, DeSantis can have his comeback. The, the conventional wisdom is now, it's Iowa or bust for DeSantis. When I don't is, buy that either. When is Iowa? Just, uh, January 15th. Oh, God. That's a long time. Well, yeah. The, the, the election is not this year. It's next year. But less time it. than you think. Yeah. Um, uh, but anyway, so that that's the state of the race, I think. So this thread And Dukakis is... Yeah. Sorry, Dukakis. No, no, I said Dukakis... I said Dukakis instead of DeSantis. There's a dark horse. Dukakis instead of DeSantis was definitely a a bad slip. Yep. Yep. Uh, Maybe. (laughs) Never mind. Maybe DeSantis needs to uh, sit on a tank with a tank helmet on. He He cut an ad about the border that actually was very good. Uh huh. He seemed okay. He seemed. He didn't seem awkward or you know, cackling inappropriately. Or Somebody was saying, I don't think we talked about this last time, was that it's something like Trump. With Trump, you, you get, oh, it was that, uh, it was a column by somebody in the New York Times who linked to that bizarro um, uh, video by a Republican congressman where he wished people a happy 4th of July. And he was smiling and he was saying, the leftists are coming to get you. And, and, and he was kind of, intertwining that kind of stuff with happy fourth we have a great company country the leftists are coming to get you and so on and the uh the point was trump captured both the rage and the joy there was joy in trump you go to a trump rally and they laugh and they this and they that and he said desantis you just get the rage you don't get the joy and that's his problem who was it it was one of these was it does David French? Thing. Does David French now have a Times column? And maybe it was him. Yes, everybody has a Times column, Bob. Really? Do we're I? Have the out, we're the outliers here. We're the outliers here. Have you checked your email? Maybe you may. May I may? Uh, in the in the future, everybody will have a Times column. That's Andy Warhol's corollary. Um, somebody did say that, and I think that's true. The Senate can have a little bit of joy, but nothing like Trump. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, so th- there's, there's, but I, you know, my line is if he's relatively joyous with a tiny bit of humor and competent, that might win the day. He just can't be negative. People can't think he's an asshole. And I don't think he's an asshole. Or if they think he's an asshole, they can think it's a, we need an asshole. People thought Giuliani was well, an asshole, but you know. They thought we needed a the kind of asshole to make it- Trump was. But that was an asshole with yeah. joy. Yeah. Um, I claim that Maggie Haberman is tilting back toward Twitter. She claims she can do both Twitter and threads. I think she's the bellwether. She's the deciding vote uh, you- on whether the political writers who we follow, who are a tiny portion of the audience and the customers for Twitter and threads, will stay on Twitter or go to threads. Well, you know what? Somebody, uh, you know who somebody said was the bellwether, and this is going to hurt you doubly. Both the person who said it and who they said the bellwether was Ezra Klein. 
They said the bellwether was Ezra Klein. He dropped out of Twitter a while ago and he's on threads. And then I think the person who said it was Ben Smith, your nemesis. He's not, you're supposed to say well, he's he not is, my nemesis. He is a good, he is a good bellwether for the left. For left, left this beyond piss on thinking. Yeah. I'm sorry. That just slipped out. That kind of, yeah. He's at, he's, 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 he's thinks for himself now. He's, he's been innovative and creative. Plus, he's a god among uh, men. But uh, he was just uh, commenting, I think, today on threads. I personally have done just one. I mean, what do you call them? Threads is such a bad name because you can't call them threads because threads already means multiple tweets. You can't say on my thread. You can say on my post. Some Somebody said you, see, you should say stitch. That doesn't work. Um, I I can't yeah. even get around threads. I mean, if you say I want I now want to see what Ezra Klein wrote. If you. My, if you, you you know gave me my cell phone here and asked me to find Ezra Klein's thread, I couldn't find it. I don't know how to navigate it. No, it's, it's impossible. It's weird. Uh, you know, I was suggesting last week that the reason they still don't have a web version, so you still can't use a physical keyboard on this site, is that they wanted to discourage old people. But I now think, I mean, first of all, their claim is we just haven't had time to do these things. We'll get these features out. Now, some of these features they don't yet have are like a, a, a chronological follower feed, you know, a feed where, now here's how sophisticated this algorithm would be, Mickey, that they just haven't had time to put together. <laughs> it's people you follow in the order in which their tweets or posts have shown up. Gosh, how many people do we need to put on that job to get it done? I, this is crazy. This is bullshit. Well, they, they obviously want, want they want to launch with that feature. They want their algorithm to run anything, right. so it becomes like TikTok and and Instagram, a pile of celebrity and creator and influencer dreck. This I don't is think one theory. Clyde will want to be part of that pile of dreck. Yeah, but remember, he's if it's an algorithm designed to magnify the influence of like big shots, he's a big shot. It'll work for him. If it's like big brands and big, it's like you know the Jake Tappers, the and and I think. To some extent, that's what it is. Although there's there's something more than that. You know, I, I I was Harry McCracken, who knows his tech, was saying this is one of the few exchanges I've had on Threads um, that there's some kind of special sauce they've got beyond a TikTok-like algorithm because uh, he see he is seeing a fair number of things by people he knows. And I noticed you got some real engagement on some whatever you call these things. Really? But, yeah, the one. The one where you quote tweeted something, it was sarcastic, which is a rarity on Threads. Threads is a relatively earnest and civil place. Um, I could, well, no, I can't track it down. That's I mocked point. them for There's saying no they were going to have. I mocked them for saying they were going to have sponsored content. I th I thought I did that on Twitter, not Threads. Maybe no, I did you, it on. You both. had one on Threads that did not that badly. I mean, given the number of followers. On a per follower basis, it was like a hundred times what you're getting on Twitter. Seriously, I mean, well, I, it was like, uh, and I, it was hundreds of times. No, on a per positive? follower basis, you have like forty thousand oh. Twitter followers, one hundred Threads followers, right? And and yet this oh, okay. this got like I don't know, thirty likes or something. You know, yeah. that's like a jillion I likes love on Twitter. Now. You love Threads. I love Threads. And now. Threads loves you, Mickey. But let me let me just finish. So there's you know. Uh, no follower feed, which they could do in a nanosecond if they wanted it. And it'll eventually show up just to prove they're not lying. But it's obviously part of the strategy not to launch with it. 
no web version, no desktop version. And I think the big question is, what is the mix of uh, motives? I mean, I read to you that quote where uh, the guy who runs it said, we don't want political stuff, basically. And that could be because they don't want the incivility. They don't want, you know, assuming it's true. Um, but I think it's also, I mean, I think you you put together like the follower count, the uh, lack, you know, can't do it with a physical keyboard. And I think, um, you know, you're you're kind of excluding a certain type of Twitter user who's like a really intensive user, but they are, they're, they're not passive users, right? They don't just read the stuff. They don't just lurk. They generate a lot of, uh, a lot of their own stuff, but they don't themselves have huge followers. I, I mean, I think, I think you're right. Let me let me read you. This is by a guy. It's named just Jim. much. It's much safer for them to be apolitical. Other than other than people try to governments try to get them to censor things, and they'd rather just sit there and make money. I don't know what I don't. What does Mark Zuckerberg want to do? He he wants to recover his reputation from the pathetic failure of the metaverse. Uh, so this helped that. He wants to make money. He uh, wants so he, to dominate. He rushed, he rushed, but he rushed it out sort of at, at Musk's moment of weakness before all this stuff was in place, obviously. Well, no, again, uh, I think some of this started. they didn't want to launch with, but it's probably, it, it is said to be true. He seized the moment. Like Musk did this thing where you were limited on the number of tweets you could see each day, and he wanted to seize that moment, so he launched early. That part is apparently true. I think it's misguided because... First of all, how many people did that affect? I mean, I don't I don't think there were many people exceed, reaching that limit on Twitter, honestly. And secondly, Musk does something stupid every week. There's going to be a blunder next week. Wait for the next blunder and have all your features in place ready to launch. Um, let me just read it's you. Also possible that, it's also possible that Musk will do three smart things in a row and Twitter will grow. It could happen. Hasn't happened anyway. yet. Uh, the idea that Twitter is collapsing is one of the three, I think, bogus media narrative threads, uh, thre uh, threads that are being pushed. They claim that Twitter's collapsing, gays are fleeing Florida, and DeSantis is collapsing. The only one that is remotely is plausible, DeSantis I think, collapsing. is the third one. Uh -huh. It's the third one. And I don't think that's true either. Well, Twitter, we'll see. It's 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 hanging in there. I mean, I, I heard this traffic is down 5% since threads. That's not that much. Um, and Meanwhile, the, you know, Fox is down 31% since last year. So the idea that firing Tucker, they, they, they've proved they don't need Tucker. I don't think they've done that. Plus, they, they've got another uh, defamation suit, uh, thanks to Tucker, coming up. Uh, his, his legacy lives on at Fox in the form of ongoing defamation lawsuits. Um, the, uh, just quickly, uh, the rest of that quote from the guy who runs Threads was... Uh, the goal isn't to replace Twitter. The goal is to create a public square for communities on Instagram that never really embraced Twitter and for communities on Twitter and other platforms that are interested in a less angry place for conversations, but not all of Twitter. You know, I will say that Ezra and some other people are having a serious conversation about why it is so civil. Uh as if there is something smart they're doing with the algorithm. And I don't know. I they understand this better than I do. So but we'll see. It's early days. Zuckerberg, he has ways of making you nice. It's like a, it's like a fog of uh, anesthesia that comes over people. It makes the it makes the sites incredibly boring, and 
you know, and uh, they have no edge at all. And, they, you know, on Facebook, the obvious thing is it lets you delete dissenting tweets. So I say, Bob, right, you're full of shit. You can just delete that tweet. All of a sudden, the experience is nice again. Uh, yeah. You can't do that on Twitter. I don't know how they deal with it on, on Instagram. But uh, it, it's it's all, it's it's like, you know, it's like, I don't know. They're the Budweiser of social platforms. Um, this is Budweiser after the trans ad or, or before the trans ad? Before. Um, the, uh, uh, the, there's non-woke beer now, Bob. I only drink non-woke beer. And what, what brand is that? I think it's called Ultra Right Beer. Is that an actual <laughs> name? Anchor Steam is going out of business, right? Did I know. I somebody's, tr somebody's trying to start. Uh, they, everything has been polarized. I've got to start using uh, non-woke toothpaste after this podcast, Bob. Um, better before than after. Un I unfortunately, I drive a woke car. Remind us. As a Subaru. That's right. You know, Subaru is about love. It's about love, especially lesbians. They should add that to their uh, to their ad. Um, finally, so the 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 alarm went off, so we got ahead of the pair room. But I want to quote this guy, Ben Cohen, not the Ben Cohen of ice cream fame, but but whoever on on uh threads he quoted all the stuff said by the threads guy that i've now quoted and said in other words we're building a platform we think brands celebrities influencers will adopt to create fake communities that they can monetize and that's more or less your view right uh i don't know if they're fake communities but they're sort of uh force-fed communities they they mm -hmm. They play. They may play on real, you know, sentiments among people. If you start a Taylor Swift community, it's not going to be a fake community. It's going to be a real community in a big way. Mm. Uh, so, uh, but it's not a political community. It's not a anyway. It's, it, it's not a you know. It's early days, and and you know, having a hundred million followers or however many they have now, or a hundred million uh, you know people on your app, um, you know, it's not the same as them all being active. And I don't know what those numbers are like. So. We'll see. I agree. Uh, Twitter's a long way from dead. When you're there, it seems like there's a fair number of people on it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, it, it hasn't done anything for my traffic, but it hasn't killed it either. It's about the same as it was six months ago, which is uh, okay. On, not on the other hand, uh, last thing I'll say about this, Elon Musk continues to prove that he is a petty child rather than a smart tactician. You know, he still is antagonizing systematically everyone who has a Substack newsletter, okay? He still has disabled the social media display that used to show up automatically the way it does for all other media outlets when you when you uh, put the URL on Twitter. He's still punishing us for the for back when he thought that, that Substack Notes was a threat. And by the way, I would encourage people to check out Substack Notes. That's kind of a nice social media site. But, um, you know, it would obviously, at this point, when he's actually worried about migration to threads, when you look at all the people who have Substack uh, newsletters, including Matt Iglesias, and how many followers they have on Twitter, you would think he would want to be on good terms with them at this moment and for them to find Twitter an actually helpful place to circulate their content, wouldn't you? I agree. I mean, he also, he, their videos won't play. You do a video on Substack and you put it on uh, Twitter and, and it has an arrow, but you hit the arrow and nothing happens. 
Well, that's uh, that's a malfunction. This is tactical. No, stupidity. it isn't. Why do you think it's a malfunction? I don't think it's a malfunction. Wait, he's systematically disabling videos. It's a Substack video. Yes, I think he's. I didn't know there was such thing not, as a Substack video. Ann Coulter has a Substack video. If you click on the arrow in her Twitter feed, it will not run. Or maybe she's. Maybe it's a Substack URL. There are all sorts of. There are all sorts of weird things. It's telling. No, it's Twitter's incredible. now telling me. Twitter's now telling me I muted people who I didn't mute, and you know the one thing. The one thing it does is every now and then I I will write a post and it won't post it. It'll lose it. Uh-huh. And I I used to learn to respect its editorial judgment. I would say, <laughs> well, that really wasn't a very good post. A sign from it, God. It was right. Yeah, it was right. It was a sign for God, and I accepted it. Uh, um, but uh, but Lady has been doing it so often. I think it's the editor is now on cocaine, and and I don't trust it anymore. Or so, Satan, or Elon Musk. I repost them. I repost them. What? Why is his, his? He's launched a new artificial intelligence initiative. Oh, that's right. Uh, to, XAI or to something. Compete, to compete with with I guess Chat GPT. Uh, uh, and uh, why is his more benign than Chat GPT? Have you figured well, it doesn't that out? Exist yet. But one thing we can talk about in the parrot well, room. That's is, certainly more benign. One thing we can talk about in the parrot room is this. Uh, um, Claude. Uh, put out by Anthropic AI, which uh, a bunch of people who profess to be deeply concerned about AI safety. Some of them are exiles from uh, Open AI, or they chose to leave Open AI. And then there's uh, there's also this Pi thing, which I've started fooling around with a little uh, from Inflection. Um, there's a lot of lot of AI stuff. We can talk about AI on Parrot Room. What else are we going to talk about? What do you about? mean a Pi thing? You mean there's a site called the Pi? Name, the PI? name of it is Pi. The name of the AI assistant is is Pi. Pi. I think it oh, may stand for okay. personal intelligence or something. It, it's it wants to be your all-purpose single thing that does everything for you, gives you counseling when you're down, schedules your airline reservations, you know, books you a five-star hotel trip to, to Tuscany. Correct. Uh, gives you the money to take that trip. It, it, um, it will, yes. Uh, well, we have a lot of stuff for the parrot room. I mean, okay, we, what is it? The, this uh, this hour didn't have a lot of stuff, but that's because I was hit, holding everything off because it was like not quite big enough to talk about in the blockbuster free segment. But mm-hmm. um, we have uh, uh, good question. Um, uh, the aforementioned Gal Luft. I we have Luft. We have uh, I have more things to say about Klaatu's speech in uh, in. Um, the day the, the earth stood still. still. There's an obvious irony that we were missing. I, I, there's something to say about diversity that I realized. Uh, there's um, Richard Hanania's defense of the Italian, of the Canadian euthanasia policy, assisted suicide policy, which seemed weird. Uh, um, and you have, uh, a, you, you have a have, longstanding euthanasia phobia. We'll discuss all this. We have we have uh, uh, we have um, uh, Israel to talk about. I don't quite understand wh- why Netanyahu would be scared of an administration reassessment. Tom Friedman seems to say there's this terrifying thing called a reassessment that's going to, uh, you know, that that Netanyahu shouldn't want. Uh, and I also don't understand why what Netanyahu is doing is so. So awful. He'll explain that to I me. Can, I can help you with that. 
Um, at least some of them. And there are a bunch of other little things. Okay. Uh, um, Michael, Michael Lynn wrote a pretty good piece on why we need more elites. Anyway. Okay. So um, I talk a little more about the Russians with Attitude thing that hasn't aired yet uh, on their podcast. Um, Silo, last, uh, I want to talk about the last. You don't mind if I do a plot spoiler on, about the last episode of Silo, right? You're just. I saw the last. I watched it. Oh, last time. Okay, we'll talk about that. Talk about that. Um, uh, the guy who brought us the AMC Pacer died, and I, I know you'll want to talk about that. Uh, the I I've been a uh, small measure of vindication on China, uh, uh, on something I said uh, decades ago that some people have claimed uh, has been disproven. Um, the I I want to persist a little in uh, in complaining about the, uh, the the very inspiring Alan Arkin speech that you praise. We'll we'll, we'll continue that tedious conversation, uh, which this will be the Not tedious for me. Yeah, I know because you like to enjoy me watching me uh, lose my cool. It's not going to happen this time. Right. It's not going to happen. We'll see. The night is young. Trust me. Uh, um. Uh, and then some of that AI stuff, maybe a little bit about uh, Anthropic and anything else. Uh, and there's, 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 yeah, um, Washington Examiner wrote a very good editorial about this horrible judicial decision that is at the bottom of our inability to deal with the homeless problem, at mm. least here in California. Okay. Uh, uh, All right. So, so Parrot Room is uh, Patreon.com/slash Parrot Room. Uh, right, right, right. I'm going to talk about all the out of wedlock children I fathered. That and whether, we should lead with that. We should have the, We should have them on the podcast. We should lead with that. Now, this is like the hunter type, like strippers. You don't even remember. Right, right. Uh -huh. If I well, did, what can it, you I say? What can you say if you don't even remember? You wish them well. Maybe I should. I, I, it's true. I was in such a fight. I should put out an all points bulletin saying, "Please come forward." Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, claim part of the vast cow's fortune. Well, our audience is so uh, big that there's a pretty good chance some of them are watching. I mean, if you we're talking about the the intersection of two very large populations here, you know, chances are there's overlap. Okay, it's true. Um, Patreon.com/slash/parrotroom, um, right? See there. Right. Um, wait, 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 wait. You got to show them the bird. I mean, why else would they come? What about my grandchildren? Okay, there's more of that in the pair room, folks.